Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. Good afternoon, everybody. The time, the time is one o'clock. The date is the 23rd of July. My name is Joseph Hammond. I'm primary school music and computing specialist. And today I want to talk a bit about climate change and schools. See you in a bit. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. All right, then, time to get going. Now, um, at the time of recording, um, the week, um, the Monday and Tuesday just gone as I'm um, as I'm talking in this show, UK experienced its hottest temperatures ever. And for many, it was a wake up call, um, especially for those that care deeply and talk a lot about and um, about, you know, climate change and eco issues. They have been basically saying, look, this is what's going happening and what's going to keep happening more and more if we don't do something drastic. And that has been, which, which, you know, has, it's sad that for many people, it takes extreme events like this for them to maybe see that climate change is a real issue but then of course what can often happen is as soon as it's a distant memory they'll forget about it and move on to something else instead of it being a constant a consist consistent constant thing um and that's something that i would like to talk about quite a bit today but i'm going to mainly focus on what can schools do to address climate change, environmental issues, things like that? Because it is a, it's not going to go away. And even if humanity does manage to um, get its act together and keep climate change down to a minimum, it's still going to take. Um, it's still going to take that action continuing even after goals have been achieved. This isn't a case of, oh, okay, so we've managed to hit net zero. Now we can just sit back and relax and let things slide. No, it's got to be something that's, that's, uh, that's constant. Um, and so I wanted to address, um, well, several things that I've seen being done that are good, several things I've seen being done that are bad um, for the planet, and kind of how overall we can 
address and take on these issues because my school and my nurseries that I work for we're forest schools we're all very outdoors we're all very much um it with one of the some of the most environmentally friendly settings that I've ever seen are we the most environmentally friendly setting well in the world probably not um you know I mean nobody's perfect but we're not um, quite at the same level as, say, Green School Bali or um, Green School New Zealand um, or, you know, any of the Green Schools or Empathy School Bali, maybe. Um, but, you know, it is getting there. And what thing is, though, is we've seen... I've seen throughout my years, I've seen quite a bit of um, laziness, I should I say, in terms of, you know, the things that people don't think much of, but actually they are issues um, and every little thing does make a difference even if the biggest issues need to be um addressed by those in power and world leaders and those with money to be able to do something about it then things still need um action from from everybody and um making the resources that are planet friendly cheaper and more available and not giving into perhaps those that would put profit before planet but um so what i've got here is i've got um the schools week published an article recently well actually i say recently a couple of years ago but it's still as relevant today if not more so 10 things that schools can do to combat climate change and this was going on when Greta Thunberg was um getting going becoming famous and uh, people were there were lots of campaigns going on and with the heat wave that's recently hit the UK it's more relevant than ever before and I hope that people are going to start to notice more often and, and 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 take more action and think about their own choices and for schools so lots of schools are very big now with some having over a thousand pupils it is going to it is tough to get everybody on board and it is tough to get going in the first place but i do think that it's possible for everyone to do at least some of these things. So Schools Week list 10 categories of things that schools can do. I'm going to list those, then I'm going to talk about each one in more detail, what I've seen done and how maybe it can happen with everybody regardless of what your site is so we've got food we've got travel 
We've got curriculum. We've got materials. We've got energy. We've got clothes. We've got banking. We've got transport. We've got school grounds and participation. So number one was foods. Now, anyone who knows anything about environmental issues and climate change will know that meat, especially um, beef, one of the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases. And so, and, you know, I'm not... um, I'm I'm not sort of going to tell people to change their diets or anything like that. However, people can make better choices as as schools can make better choices as to where and how they source their food. So, uh, but facing facts, one of those facts is overall a vegetarian diet is better for the environment and um where possible you've got to buy local organic food and when you do that you're immediately cutting greenhouse gases for the travel uh, to use uh, uh, getting the transporting the foods to your um to your location you're immediately cutting down that um and if it's if it's grown if it's grown organically without use of chemicals not only is it better for the environment it's actually healthier and better for the children and staff as well and this is one of the it's one of the biggest things that um it, and it's also perhaps one of the hardest things to change because anybody that knows anything about vegetarianism or veganism knows that um a vegetarian and vegan di- uh, and or vegan diet has to be well planned and if it's not you're going to be deficient in certain nutrients um if you completely cut out meat and uh, dairy products, then you have to you have to really look at how you're going to get the nutrients that you're missing out on uh, that you could potentially miss out on. Um, but slow, what and this and this applies to the way that I often work as well, especially when I'm at home. You know, if I'm if I'm with the kids, you know, I can't switch off and I'm super motivated to do my best. But with um, paperwork, admin stuff, and when I work from home, small steps, one at a time, one thing at a time is what is best and desirable in terms of how we address, uh, uh, in terms of how I work best and then that eventually becomes habit and then when it becomes habit it just becomes a natural thing that doesn't feel so stressful and anxiety inducing um so that is where the key 
that that's where schools can make a difference. So, for example, with food, um, it says here over 100 schools have signed up some meat-free Mondays. Um, now, obviously, every school is going to have children who have a variety of dietary needs and requirements. So the school and, and schools are required to provide for those children because it is part of their needs. Um, now, that's a start. There is obviously much more that can be done. I know certainly in my own settings um, recently, we have one day a week where we have a option with meat. Usually uh, it's um, chicken generally. Um, actually, mo a lot of our children and a lot of our staff are vegetarian and vegan. Um, but we've sort of gone the opposite to meat-free Mondays, where we only have one day a week where there's a meat option for, um, for our food. And the rest of our lunches are all vegetarian. Um, and it is not just a sense of saving the environment. It's a sense uh, and, and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. It's a sense of um, lots of people do it for animal welfare reasons, but also people underestimate the impact that good food, decent food, can have on somebody's mental health and physical, uh, obviously physical health, but also mental health as well. And it's been proven time and time again that that it does. You know, if, if you follow a lot of entrepreneurial accounts, then you'll see that actually they often mention about eating good proper food um and it's not just a case of as i say for various reasons saving the environment childhood obesity and mental health and well-being it has an impact you know jamie oliver lots of people get really annoyed with jamie oliver and lots of people don't like him and yes, uh, sometimes the way he comes across, I, I can, I can, um, I can understand because um, he is very blunt. However, everything he's standing up for is all good stuff. He's standing up for the nation's health, the nation's eating habits, um, and you know, I can't. I can't fault that. So that's a little bit about food. Now, number two. So if you've just joined us, I've been talking about 10 things that schools can do to address climate change. The cli No, I am going to call it the climate crisis um, because it is um, and action needs to happen quick. Travel, well, I know school trips are sadly becoming less common, but also 
um, school trips that involve flying perhaps need to be cut down. And uh, that's not always easy um, until the aviation industry can come up with more eco-friendly things. Um, if you can go by train, if you can take local school trips, um, or if you can get involved in environmental projects that are local to the school, then that's going to be just as beneficial. Um, and I know lots of schools do that anyway. Honestly, I don't know many schools that take trips involving flying unless it's like once a year or something. But uh, e either way, it is, um, it is something to be aware of. Um, so, but also, I guess you could talk about travel as to how the children themselves and how people get to school in the first place. Now, this isn't an option for me because I don't drive. I don't have a car. I'm autistic. One of the things I can't do is drive a car. It's, it's weird because I have actually passed my test, but I haven't driven a car since I've passed my test. And the thought of me losing my focus scares me and the thought of me um not knowing where i'm going also scares me about driving and there's also the cost and so that's why i've never owned a car um so i take public transport everywhere and i'm used to it so for me i don't really have a choice but knowing what I know now, I can't really think of many situations at all where I would absolutely need a car. So, and, and it's, it's, it's something to consider for everybody, really. Now, will I be able to keep that up forever? Maybe not, because um, at the moment, you know, I'm in my... I'm in my early 30s, so I can, I, and I've got a job that um, gives me a lot of physical exercise because it's uh, forest school based anyway. Um, but I don't think that's going to last forever because, well, when I, obviously I'm at the point now, I'm at the age now where I've already peaked physically and everything every as i get older my physical health my fitness is going to be harder to maintain so there might be there might be a point where using public transport all the time becomes trickier i mean i i guess i'm talking 20 to 30 years down the line here but it is still it is still something to consider certainly heavy lifting isn't going to last forever but either way i'm sure there's many many people around the world certainly in this country where cars are actually not the best option for traveling into school so 
you know, looking at bus routes, even if it adds a few minutes onto your journey. And I'm not saying it's a perfect solution because I know that often buses and um, buses and trains can get very crowded, especially during rush hours. But it is something to consider and bear in mind. Number three, um, I can. I'm getting. Um, I'm getting more live listeners than usual today. Um, so if you've just joined us, I've been talking about Schools Week's list of um, ten things that schools can do to help tackle the climate crisis. Um, number three is curriculum. Now, this one is fairly obvious in a sense that teaching children, teaching students about the impact that their choices might have on the environment and the um, and how to reduce their own impact on, on climate change and how to maybe persuade others to take action um, and how it can be incorporated into school life in general um what <laughs> tom tom rogers uh, director tom's just written a laughing face wait what are you what are you laughing at tom i uh i don't uh i i, I missed what you respond uh, what that laughing face is for um anyway the, with regards to the curriculum we had um if it's taught in isolation, then, and this is something that um, project-based learning is good at, because in, in real life, most subjects are not isolated affairs. You know, they all, it all relates to each other in some way, shape or form, um, because you have so we're talking climate change here that relates to science it relates to environmentalism if you want to have solutions then engineering might come into it which is uh maths as well um if you want to communicate with people then having good english is a must looking at the history of it all so you can not repeat mistakes made in the past and learn from the good things that happened and how the people how people in history managed to do these things all these things it all links together and the project-based learning that we do at um my settings is all very much um linked it all a variety of subjects are explored, let's put it that way. And I know that it's people are becoming more aware of how project based learning can be beneficial. Um, but they the schools week have written an example here of a primary school where environmental education is linked to all areas of the curriculum 
um, and even my own specialist subjects, um, music and ICT. Um, and I have, to be fair, done that as well. Um, I've mentioned this before on my show. There's a eco choir of children and teenagers called SOS from the Kids. They were um, on Britain's Got Talent um, in 2020, and um, they've been writing and singing songs about taking action for the environment, about how awesome planet Earth is and how we need how it needs to be protected and how people need to take action and take notice and they've been brilliant and they've gone into loads of places they sang at cop 26 as well to all the world leaders um they and their songs are great as well they're very musically accomplished as well as you know, being, being about an important message. So if you want to check them out, that's SOS from the kids. Um, and I recently contacted them and they talked to my school where um, they, my, my kids asked them some questions and they posted a video response to us, which was, which was really cool about music and performing and about the environment as well. So that was really they, they, they're really cool. Um, so that that's an example of where, well, I guess it wasn't a school activity. It was uh, the teens themselves taking action and forming a choir to spread their message and fight with their songs and their words um, to campaign for a better world. Um, but that's just an example of how music can do that. And... I ended up getting my kids to write some songs about fixing the world, about environmentalism. And we had um, renditions of um, an American song called This Land Is Your Land. We wrote, rewrote the words to We Will Rock You to be about single-use plastic. Um, and um, what else did we do? Yeah, things like that. Speaking of single-use plastic, this is a good segue here. Number four is materials. So um, materials, well, what do I mean? I mean plastic, metal, cardboard, etc. Now, this should be pretty obvious, but it's shocking how few schools actually do anything about this. Single-use plastic has got to go and it's easier than people think to take care of single-use plastic the co-op as in the supermarket shop the co-op food um have recently put out some bins to recycle soft plastic so what i want everybody listening to do is i want them to i'm sure Many people do at least some recycling. But what I want everybody to do is find their nearest co-op food where they have these bins out. I want everyone to set aside 
a plastic, uh, I want, uh, not a plastic bag. I want everyone to set aside a bag. I want them to, a separate bag from your waste bins. I want them to collect their single use plastic. So plastic wrap, um, anything that isn't traditionally recycled. So soft plastic. And I want them, I want you all to, um, I want you all to set that aside and I want you all to collect it. And every week, two weeks, or whenever the bag gets full, I want you to go to your local co-op and I want you to dump, I want you to put it in those bins. Now, it's not always, sad, sad thing about recycling is the system isn't perfect and there's not always a guarantee that, um, it will actually get recycled at a recycling center. However, it's, it, it's this thought is there and it is something that you can do. And if, if you can, the number one thing is to not use single use materials. And there's various things that people can do. For example, I have reusable metal water bottles. I've never, I, I, I used to use a, a plastic one, but I've never, I've not used a plastic water bottle or any plastic bottle, drink bottles for that matter, in years. And that is one of the worst offenders when it comes to um, plastic waste. So, schools can lead by example with this and they can really take a good hard look and think about what materials they're using and how and if there are alternatives if there are ways in which they can reduce overall waste and i'm going to talk a bit more about that after the adverts this episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. 
Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, maths, science or primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Okay, we are back. Um, so I was going to talk about materials and I just um, made a very impassioned plea about people's use of single-use plastic and how it needs to be reduced. Um, well, there's lots that I do at home and there's lots that um, <clears throat> my school settings do. And I guess the number one thing is to find, is to buy, especially toiletries, to buy stuff that is easily, is more, made more environmentally friendly. Um, and with toiletries, it's way easier than, you know, I talked about food earlier. Well, changing people's diets is um, is actually quite difficult. Um, so it's not something that can just happen overnight. If you're thinking of going vegetarian or vegan and, and you've been a meat eater, if you just jump straight into it, then you're going to be deficient in certain in certain minerals and um, and things that your body needs. But with toiletries, it's much easier. And first place to start, toilet roll. Okay, um, there are plenty. There are many, many companies now that don't make toilet roll roll by cutting down trees. They make them with bamboo, which is grows quickly and is way more sustainable than cutting down trees to make toilet paper, toilet roll. So for example, I use uh, the Cheeky Panda um, and there's also Bumboo, that's uh, B-U-M-B-O-O, and Who Gives a Crap. Now, Who Gives a Crap, They um, their campaign is about building and maintaining proper sanitary products and buildings and facilities in countries that need them and profits go towards that so you've got um you've got things like that that you can do and that's a great place to start cheeky panda they don't just do toilet roll they also do kitchen towel they do nappies if you've got very young children they do um what else what else do they do um tissues yeah it's all these all these things these are products that perhaps you can't avoid wasting uh um or using for as a single use however <laughs> none of the materials are just going to go in the bin they're going to be recycled once you finish, obviously the cardboard tube, 
that's 100% recyclable after you finish the toilet roll. But the main point is that it's a lot more sustainable than um, using uh, a toilet roll that's made with cutting down trees and is actually bad for the environment. Um, same w with if you're, for example, drying your hands, there's a solution that my school and my forest schools have that is really good and more people should be doing. And that is, instead of having, you know, paper towels to dry your hands with, although you can get them made out of bamboo, it's actually better to do this. We have small square sh um, shaped, very small hand towels that um, are washed every day. And so you just take a square hand towel from the basket, you dry your hands with it, you then put it in the wash basket, and then it gets washed in the washing machine ready to use next time. That is, so you've got the, all these mini hand towels that can be reused over and over again, and, pe and you haven't got lots of people sharing uh, one hand towel. So it's way better that way. Um, so that's one, that's something else that can be done. Now, um, it even goes as far as food. And I talked about food earlier, but this is to do with plastic containers for food. In one of my previous schools, whenever there was yogurt for dessert, they would come in these plastic pots and they would get thrown away at the end of every day. I thought that was absolutely outrageous. This is perfectly recyclable, hard plastic that was just getting chucked in the bin without a thought. So I made a point of collecting them in and recycling them because I couldn't stand all that just going in the bin and going into landfill. So, but it just wasn't given any thought whatsoever. And so there's things, there's individual things that can be done. And they do make a difference. And I mentioned Eco Quiet SOS from the kids earlier. One of their um, lyrics in one of their songs is no one's too small to make a difference. And it does it does rain it does rain very true. You've got to consider the impact of your own choices. And big action won't happen until those in power and those with the money take notice, but small action and local action can happen anywhere. And just because those in power don't care doesn't mean that you shouldn't. You've got to lead your children and your students by example. And I implore everyone to do that. So with materials, we've um, there's various things that people didn't realize 
that they could do that actually they can do. And hopefully I've shone a light on those things. Um, and yeah. Number five, energy. Now, this is going to be a big hot topic because obviously with all the world issues going on, energy bills have absolutely skyrocketed. Um, and unfortunately, there's been no avoiding that. It's a real shame. Um, it's it with all the rising costs of living, it sucks for everybody. Um, energy prices have just skyrocketed. But it is also a necessity for um, reducing your impact and a school's impact on the environment by doing at, at least taking some of the precautions. So for example, installing proper insulation and ventilation into buildings of uh, my school barely has any buildings so that's not a problem for us because we're outside most of the time but we still do have those things and we well we don't we don't use you know loads of heating and air conditioning and things like that if it's cold then we wrap up warm and we have traditional fires um each class and each um nursery site has a fire pit and we have trained fire marshals um so we can we can do that and so <clears throat> that's something that we do and we have waterproofs full waterproofs if it rains so that's something that's just a simple thing that everyone can do and because our kids are used to it it doesn't really bother them that obviously if it's it's really raining heavily then yeah it's pretty hard on everyone but it's still very much okay um you don't have to have heating on you don't have to um if it's cold there's uh, or wet there's things that you can do about it um such as water such as investing in some decent waterproofs um and if it's cold not just coats but also things like thermals and um you know thicker socks stuff like that it's uh, and it, it, it will really help with just generally being able to be outdoors now the heat that's a different story entirely um and this this is the this is the concerning thing is that I say to, when when people when I tell people about my settings and my schools how they're forest schools and how we're outside most of the time I say to they often ask one of the biggest questions they ask is well how do you um how do you cope in the heat how uh, sorry 
how do you cope in the cold how do you what do you do when it's raining you don't stay outside do you it's like they can't imagine that but it's just because they're not used to dealing with that now they're not but you can you can get used to it and lots of our children are quite resilient with the weather in in terms of the cold and the wet um which mainstream schools often are not i've been in schools where um out of fear of being sued um due to an accident because of the weather the slightest bit of drizzle means oh it's wet play right we have to stay in our classrooms but you're keeping uh, in doing so that's actually quite unhealthy because you're keeping children confined in a, a a space that is feels a bit overcrowded because you know you've got 30 typically 30 children 30 children um or 30 students in a very confined space um and so you have to you have to build up resilience for these things and it's actually worse for the children to keep them in a confined uh space constantly than it is to be out and about in a bit of um in in a bit of uh interesting weather um now Obviously, it can be complicated to manage things like that. I understand that, but it's just something to consider. Now, um, when... So, I was going slightly off topic there um, because I was talking about energy, but my point is that um turning the heating on doesn't have to be the solution to cold weather now if it's hot weather then that's different and i don't personally i don't know of many solutions uh to keeping yourself cool beyond having air-conditioned rooms um there's little things that you can do um, but they don't result in keeping you super cool. So on Monday and Tuesday, I was lucky that I finished for the year. So it was a case that I could hibernate those two days and just do not much at all and uh, do the best I could to look after myself. But it wasn't easy. And it's not easy for any anybody and I think people underestimate how the really hot weather can impact because it's been scientifically proven that at 40 degrees plus, that's when your bodily functions start to suffer. And the hotter it gets, the more that your body shuts down because it cannot cope. Um, and if this is a sign of what's to come, it's concerning. If action isn't taken, if scientifically proven action isn't taken to address these issues. And so 
that's why pressuring world leaders, those with the money to do something about it, is super important. And and electing world leaders who care about these issues, um, or you know, billion, uh, billionaires and getting them to take action if they do truly care about these issues. This is where the imbalance of the world is. Unfortunately, we have too many people in power these days who just don't care in the slightest. Um, and it's very obvious that they don't care. Um, so that's not to say, and I'm not saying we should give up pressuring them and lobbying them. Because, but the way to go about it is rather than appealing to their sense of humanity, which, you know, some of our world leaders don't have any, some of uh, many of our politicians don't have any humanity whatsoever, um, is a sense of, you know, you will get, you will keep your position and you'll get elected if you do something about this or if you invest in clean energy and that's the conversation that we need to have sadly the richest um companies and donors to um the world leaders that perhaps don't care are you know thing people like fossil fuel companies um that anyway i'm not gonna i'm not gonna rant about that too much because my um my focus is on what schools can do now it, with it, with regards to energy, now I use Octopus Energy, and uh, they advertise that they use uh, renewable resources, which is one of the reasons why I chose them. Um, you can also, if um, you might have an option where you might be able to install some kind of local renewable energy such as you know solar panels for your school or wind turbines um they're not a solution for everybody it might not work a hundred percent for everybody but it is that is also a possibility now number six is clothing if you've just joined us then welcome we are talking about things that schools can do to tackle the climate crisis. With regards to clothing, well, if uh, it's rather common knowledge now that fast fashion is one of the leading causes of waste and climate change, and especially water shortages, because making clothes uses a lot of water. So it's if you can find clothes and shoes that are made in an ecologically friendly way, then that's always going to be best. Or um, you, you can, vegan is, is usually a word used when you're talking about food, but actually the word vegan can be used to describe um, clothes and other products that are not made using any parts of an animal um so technically a piano that is made without ivory elephant ivory is a vegan piano 
um uh, or and shoes that are made without using leather that's a vegan shoe you can get them they are available so having uniforms that are not imported from afar and are made in an eco-friendly way is always going to be best and also not having to get constantly new stuff all the time so for example there's a school in st albans here that they there's a group of parents that run a second-hand uniform shop for that school that's um that's a great idea it's one thing that you can um, do until the clothes are completely ruined um but fast fashion is a big cause of environmental issues and there's something where it takes leaders to do this as well as students and parents but people can take action um number seven is banking now um the main banks they're not they're not really a hundred percent ethical and this is where ethical banks come in now i recently switched to a bank called triodos bank and triodos are not originated from the uk um however they are highly rated in terms of the services they provide and they are also an ethical bank so none of their none of their funds none of their none of their money goes towards anything like the fossil fuel industry or um or weapons there are many banks out there that sadly do they're sadly in the pocket of the fossil fuel industry or the arms trade and the weapons trade and i think schools should be doing that that's something that actually doesn't really take too much to get done it's not um to switch from a mainstream bank account to a ethical bank account like triodos it's it, it it's it's it can be a lengthy process yes yeah, sure but it isn't that hard to do so that's something that all schools can do and really the thing is people that are after money and riches they will respond to the where people put their money and so if people show they care about ethical issues and they show that with the banks they choose then the mainstream banks will have to listen because they're all competing with each other for your attention and for you to store your money inside them so you've got to vote with with your um with your becoming a customer of theirs now 
Um, number eight is transport. Now, I did uh, mention that when I said uh, travel. Um, so that I, I've already really covered that. Um, so I'm going to go straight on to number nine, which is school grounds. One of the um, simplest things, well, I say it's simple, it might be very hard for some urban schools, but it is still possible to build raised beds. And then schools can create their own miniature farms. They can grow their own vegetables. They can take care of them. They can do their own gardening. Um, if you create a pond, maybe encourage some wildlife, maybe one of the biggest things, plant some bee-friendly flowers. That is something that's super important. Bees, without bees, the food chain is screwed. And so be friendly and be friendly flowers and encouraging bees to visit this, uh, visit your area and give them a food source that they can take back to their hives and watching from a distance so children don't get stung is a really good thing that people can do. You know, bees and actually lots of insects are so important. You know, people say that it um, is a big fear that they have is insects. But actually, if people just took the time to know how important insects can be with regards to ecosystems and things like that, then... I think people would change their attitude towards swatting insects. Um, there are certain insects that are pests and if left out of control can do damage, but it's worth looking into. So bee-friendly pl uh, plants and flowers, um, growing your own vegetables. And fun fact here, something that Again, I'm going to mention Jamie Oliver. I know I know how he comes across can rub people the wrong way, and so lots of people don't like him, but I like what he stands for. If you get children involved in food preparation, if you get children involved in making their own food, they're more likely, much more likely to want to try it. And that goes with cooking activities, it also goes with growing your own vegetables. And gardening and growing veg and even, you know, the planting trees, children might not see is is children might not see immediate response and an immediate instant gratification to planting their own trees but they can leave something behind for future generations that go to that school and future generations of just people in general. That is a big benefit. So you have to think of the long-term impact and that is actually a good lesson for children 
because with technology being on the rise, screens becoming even more commonplace, it's um, future generations. One of the things that they have to combat themselves and that we all have to combat really is instant gratification because there are so many things about especially mobile phones and iPads that are designed to be addictive and designed to appeal to certain parts of the of the brain that give you a dopamine high and that keep you hooked and and so a lot of children are growing up expecting instant gratification all the time and lots of people are giving into that it's great to find activities and things and solutions that can allow children to appreciate that not everything is going to give them an instant high and an instant success but to enjoy the process and to see results of hard work after a long period of time and gardening and growing veg is one of the things that can do that um just like musical performances so before i um talk about number 10 i am going to play the adverts i'm going to play the news and I'm going to play Steve Wood's Two Minute Tech of the Week. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Several media outlets report on a 72-hour walkout planned by staff at exam board AQA, which could affect the delivery of GCSE and A-level results. The walkout was announced by Unison in a row over pay, with the union saying staff are struggling to make ends meet because of successive below inflation pay awards. Employees set to strike include those involved in organising the awarding of grades for both GCSE and A-level exams. The three-day action will take place from Friday the 29th to Sunday the 31st of July. Unison warns that industrial action could escalate unless talks reopen. The Manchester Evening News reports on comments made by the Conservative leader on Bury Council as he launched an attack on teachers, rail workers and junior doctors who may consider striking for better pay. Russell Bernstein, opposition leader on the council, said, shame on any teacher who takes strike action, and suggested those who did would be ignoring their responsibilities. He criticised possible strike action at a time when children and young people had finally begun to think about having a normal school year, after two years of disruption due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Labour councillors for Bury dismissed his comments as childish and out of touch. With many schools breaking up today, regional news outlets are providing parents and carers with details of activities on offer this summer. In Essex, the council is encouraging people to think outside the car and features activities which can easily be reached by bike, on foot or using public transport. In Islington, the council's Heatwave summer programme offers free, fun, educational activities for all ages, including Caribbean cooking, poetry, filmmaking, roller skating, special effects makeup and animal care. Whilst in Stoke-on-Trent, the Pottery Shopping Centre is opening an indoor beach, complete with deck chairs just in time for the summer holidays. The beach is free of charge and open to anyone. A check of local council and media outlets is a good place to start for ideas this summer. From today onwards, UK degrees will be recognised as the equivalent to degrees from universities in India. The Government of India signed a Memorandum of Understanding with the UK Government, which will allow those taking a degree in the UK to be eligible for employment in India. Those with Indian university degrees will be also treated on a par with UK degree holders and eligible for jobs in the UK too. It is hoped the arrangement will bring a much-needed boost to the UK economy. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to support a question everyone will see at the start of next year. It goes something like this. Hi Edu Twitter, can you reply with where you are so I can show my class how far a post on the internet can reach? With a bit of free tech? you can make this much more visual. I'm going to use Google Maps because it's free and most likely you'll have used Google Maps at some point in the past. So when you have all your responses, sign into Google, go to Maps and click on the menu next to the search box. That's the three lines that look like a burger. From the menu, select My Places. You'll now have four options, Lists, Labeled, Visited, and maps. Click on maps and at the bottom select create map. Now you can give the map a title so you can find it next year for comparison and add all the places from your Twitter replies. Simply type the name of the place. When it appears with a blue point marker you can click the plus sign to add it to the map and then select the colour to help it stand out. When you've finished 
All places will be saved and you can access the map by following the first few steps. Menu, My Places, Maps. There are loads of other great tools to use also. Measure the distance from your school to those places. Hit Preview and go into the View Only mode. Here you can select a place and you treat it to a short bio and an image of the area. So next time you're looking to bring a lesson to life, why not try using maps to help pupils see where places are in the world? Do you have any top tips for mapping? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen those um, messages before, and... Uh, yeah, they are very much, um, although they've been going around for a few years now, and so personally, I feel like the impact of those is perhaps lessened. Oh, look at this image of an apple. Let's see how far it can travel around social media. Well, um, I've, when it first happened, yeah, sure, it could have been impactful, but not anymore, I don't think, because it's been done to death now and students will have seen them before. So you need something different. Um, that's my opinion. But um, but yeah, it's it's a good, what Steve mentioned is obviously a great way of, um, of taking that to the next level. Um, right, so finally on to number 10. And number 10 is participation. Um, and there we go go so you could set up an eco committee in your school look at what school can do to make a difference explore solutions to things like that and for both adults and children to work together and it is so important because and it says here and this is a really good uh, statement if schools fail to get students engaged in issues that matter to the students themselves, then they're likely to see education as irrelevant. And as teachers, we don't want that to happen. Um, but we're always in danger of that happening because of a variety of things, really. But the main thing is, um, yeah, students just don't have the, they won't have the drive to, to care if it's not relevant to them, if they can't see how their choices, if they, or if they can't see how what they're studying impacts on the world or others or their own future then that is going to be really quite a um then then they're going to become disillusioned and that's why i as a teacher am completely and utterly disillusioned with the mainstream education system and now that i've had the progressive education experiences that i've had I can't go back. I, unless it was a very, very special mainstream school that 
you know, I have a few that I'm a big fan of, then I couldn't go back to mainstream school because I can't work in a system where Ofsted and the government are constantly bullying schools and students and teachers. And as a result, you get so many toxic members of staff that, um, uh, and, and it just keeps filtering down. And I can't work in a system like that. I could work for a school that, um, you know, is brilliant in spite of the pressures, or I could work in a school that cares about the students genuinely, their well-being, but I could never, ever work for a school that is just so toxic or a school that only focuses on exams. I could never do that. Um, and I, yeah, no, and, and I, will, I will say it as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody who could sort of lead a school into, into having better behavior or a better, um, better atmosphere, but I couldn't work long term for a school where there's a really nasty, toxic environment. And it's sadly all too common in schools uh, these days and we've if we want to be if we want to be if we want education to be successful we have to make it relevant now of course those in power they don't want that to happen because if we start teaching them to think for themselves then you know, for example, our um, our current politicians won't get the votes because people will see past them as the the, the speeches that they make, and they'll look at the things that they are voting for and the impact that that's having, and they'll realise that many of our politicians actually don't care about teachers or students or anything like that. They just care about the exams. They care about their, uh, their donors that, that donate to their political party. I, I have a, I, I know I have a very cynical view of world leaders and schools and Ofsted as well. I really do, but I've seen firsthand how much that doesn't sit right with me and how damaging it is to children and the adults working in toxic schools that follow that exam results focused mantra. And I don't want any part of it. And many of our kids don't want any part of that either. So I could only ever work for a school that cares about its students. And one of the ways that you can show that you care about students is by 
doing things that are relevant to them or um, talking about issues that are relevant to them and their future. And one of those big things is climate change, environmentalism. There are many, many students that care deeply about this stuff. And it shouldn't be them having to fight. You know, Greta Thunberg, the big teenager who became world famous for her environmental campaigning, she did not want to be an environmental campaigner. But the way she saw things going, she felt that she didn't have a choice. But even so, that's resulted in people attacking her, attacking a teenage girl with autism and attacking her just because she's autistic often. So there, there are enemies out there that will use whatever they can to try and discredit people that they see as a threat. And lots of world leaders, because Greta is rallying people to campaign for a better future, lots of our selfish politicians, I'm not saying they're all selfish, but lots of our selfish politicians and world leaders, they see her as a threat. Lots of mega corporations, they see her as a threat to their profits. And so they are willing to attack her, dis her different ability, her autism, just because they can to try and discourage and discredit her. And I'm lucky enough, you know, I'm not world famous and I'm lucky enough not to have experienced a huge amount of discrimination because of my autism. Mainly what I've experienced is people seeing me as weird or misunderstanding me. They haven't directly insulted me for being autistic, but they have, um, they have looked at me and thought, oh, he's weird. They haven't, they haven't made a connection between that and my autism. But yeah, I've been very misunderstood. But I can only imagine how hurtful it would be to attack somebody just for being autistic. But there's people out there that will do that. And we have to we, we have to make the narrative and we have to make it appealing to be environmentally friendly. And at the moment, and there's people out there that won't care unless it directly benefits them. There's not, because uh, not everyone's willing to sacrifice or not everyone's willing to change to do better unless they see that they're going to get some kind of instant gratification out of it. And that's where participation, I think, can be improved in the sense of you can really make it attractive and make it appealing 
to participate in climate projects. I am going to finish there for today. Um, I've I've ta I've taken on I've taken on a few heavy topics and I've said a few things a few strong opinions there, but that is genuinely how I feel about a lot of world leaders these days. It's genuinely how I feel about a lot of people in power. That, you know. I know for a fact that I cannot comment on absolutely everything because I don't know absolutely everything. I'm not a climate scientist and I'm not a politician and I don't run a country. I'm not even a head teacher or a school governor. I am a specialist teacher. But I can speak from my own experience and I can say that it can't be that hard for schools to make small change. Uh, well, they seem small, but they do make a big difference. Easy enough, small changes to become more environmentally friendly and edge towards the EU's goal of all schools becoming uh, in Europe, becoming net zero by 2030. And and I've 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 seen the positive impact that can have when schools do that. Um, and I've also seen the impact where a toxic school environment has on students. And these are things that need to change somehow. And just because I'm not a politician or a climate scientist doesn't mean I don't have my own instincts about these things. And I hope that people's instincts edge towards being just caring, because that's what it boils down to, really. There are so many people out there that do care, but overall, we just have to become a more caring society about the planet and about each other. And on that note, I hope you got something out of this. If I, if I want you to take one thing from this, make one small change to your life or your school that will have a positive impact on the environment, whether that be single-use plastic is often a good place to start. I would, um, and I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening, and I will uh, hopefully see you next time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.